Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. You just finished the movie? Yeah. All right. I don't understand how anyone who's not from Canada would even remotely understand the movie, so I'm curious what you guys thought. (laughs) Now I can hear you guys. Uh, Doug, Doug's letting his nation take full ownership of that movie. I mean, no, it was like it was sponsored by a fucking beer company, for God's sakes. Like, <laughs> it's not many. No, I, a beer company and 10,000 Patreons, apparently. This was even before Patreon. I was going to say, did you guys? I, I'm sure you didn't because you turned it off immediately. But at the end of the end credits, there oh, was no. like I saw it. Oh yeah, there's like a thank you for the donations, and it's like fucking five million names. <laughs> oh really? The entirety of Canada is donated for this movie. Well, no, I did not. So just to get that on the record, <laughs> are you sure? Did you check the the titles for your for my name? Yeah, your I, name. I Could feel been... like I don't. I have a complicated I have a complicated history with the beer company, so I would never involve myself in it. There was probably some kind of so, cross promotions with uh, fucking Tim Hortons, where you got a coffee there, and somehow fifty cents of that coffee went to. They could have been included in your taxes. It's very plausible that they got the same type of uh, tax, like loans that Cronenberg used to use to make his movies. Which I'm guessing that they didn't pay back on this one. <laughs> hey, Segway, the movie that we're complaining about is one of the movies that we watched this week. <laughs> since uh, since your nation's responsible for it, Doug, why don't we kick it off with Frostbite? Tell us about it. Frostbite is a uh, a comedy film, technically. About <laughs> if you could call it that. Uh, let's see. So, uh, a lawyer gets sent back to his hometown to issue an injunction so that one of their clients can buy up some land and, uh, build like a new resort of some kind. But then when he gets there, he finds out that his old buddy's business is on that land. So if his clients are successful, they'll drive his buddy out of business so he helps his buddy throw a giant party to earn the money to pay off the debt that's necessary so that the land won't be foreclosed on or whatever. 
and in the meantime, of course, th- this is a, a shocking twist for this type of film, but it turns out he's dating a real annoying girl back home and he meets a small town girl that he knew back in high school when he gets to his hometown and he ends up falling for her instead. So he has to leave his big city ways and back to his small town. I do, I do believe my wife referred to it as what the fuck is this? Some kind of a late night Cinemax Hallmark movie. That honestly, really that's accurate. Not, really that's, accurate. That's, that's, that's not far off. And <laughs> uh, entirely sponsored by Kokanee beer to the point where I guarantee you there's a ton of jokes in this movie that you guys did not get because you don't have kokanee beer in the u.s <laughs> there's a lot of kokanee based humor in this movie. i i did not know that was a real beer company i thought that was something they made so, up okay so what, what's the alternate title for this movie Noah? the movie we watched it as frostbite but what's oh, it, what was the, the alternate title? the the movie out here okay so like kokanee's slogan is the beer out here kokanee's <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Kokanee's other slogan was Glacier Fresh. Did anybody notice the names of the two park rangers in the movie? Oh. So this is all that just makes, I I was weird... like those names are so fucking stupid. What is the point of that? <laughs> yeah. So and Kokanee famously when they were making their big push to like become a nationwide beer because they were British Columbia beer, mm-hmm. um, one of their marketing gimmicks was that there's they had a little Sasquatch on the bottle or the can, but it was like in a different spot every time. So part of the game was while you're drinking your beer, you try to find the Sasquatch. Mm. So hence the Sasquatch's involvement in this. Well, well, fuck. I kind of, I kind of wish I would have watched this with you, Doug. I would have been more like, oh, all, <laughs> yeah. So all of it kind of makes sense from that perspective. Did they have a quote-unquote celebrity uh, commercial with snow at some point? Not to my recollection. Oh, so he's just just showed up for this movie. Yeah. Well, okay, I have an interesting theory about this movie, and I want to know what you guys think of this. Right. So that whole all that Kokanee stuff, that when they were making their big push to come to like Ontario and try to like grow as a as a beer, this is when I had a falling out with them. But it's <laughs> it's their big that was like around two thousand and one, two thousand and two time frame, right? Doug broke up with a beer company. You know it must yeah. have been serious. Well, okay, so do you know what these motherfuckers did? So that whole glacier fresh thing is like they're supposedly brewed with actual glacier water. Mm-hmm. So that when they were coming to Ontario, I'm like, that's really interesting. I actually want to try a beer that's brewed with this like frozen water. That sounds fun to me. And so I ran out and bought it right away. But then it turns out that for the purposes of the Ontario market, they were just brewing it at the Labatt Brewing Company oh. in London using normal Ontario water. And I'm like, well, this is fucking bullshit you tricked me into buying your beer and so i had like delicious labat's beer so i actually had like a there was like a newspaper article about how they were false advertising and i framed it and hung it on my wall and would show it to people if they came over to my house with kokanee (laughs) good lord i was very upset doug was so mad i was very upset about it can you imagine that, Noah? If like Budweiser pissed us off so much, we we framed an article, put it up on our wall. 
Anyways, I was yeah, very. No, no, the, only, the, the only Canadian joke I know is about Labatt's beer. <laughs> okay. The only one. So, anyways, two, two Canadian guys are out fishing on a boat on Lake Okeechobee Wabanobi, and they pull up a genie lamp. Genie pops out and says, "I'm only going to grant you one wish, so you two need to talk about it." And one of the two Canadian guys goes, "No, there is nothing to talk about. My entire life, I've only." Loved one thing, creamy, delicious Labatt's beer. And the only wish that I could ever wish for is that this whole lake becomes creamy, delicious Labatt's beer. And poof, the lake becomes beer and the genie is gone. The other Canadian guy looks at him and goes, you fucking idiot. And he's like, what? It's creamy, delicious Labatt's beer. And he's like, I know, but now we got to pee in the boat. That's it. It's a whole right. joke. <laughs> All right. I, I'm not responding to that. Anyways, my, th- <laughs> my theory about the movie, because Kokanee was doing this big push in like 2001-ish, right? I think the movie was supposed to take place back then. And I think that that explains a lot about this movie because it makes no sense that like a 31-year-old lawyer would be sent across the country to drop off paperwork. But it would make total sense if he was a 21-year-old intern at that law firm and this script hadn't sat on the shelf for 10 years. And it would make total sense that Catherine Isabel's character mentions that she went away to university and then came back. Well, if she was you know, in her early 20s, then yeah, that would make total sense. Why are they still talking about it when she's in her 30s? Which raises my third point of why is she in this movie? Because she was already famous by the time this movie was made. I bet you she signed this contract before Ginger Snaps came out. <laughs> so I think this movie sat on the shelf. And that's why like they're re- referencing Snow in a 2012 movie. Nobody has thought about him in decades. But the people who would have been in university or whatever would have been in like when who would have rented this movie off the blockbuster shelf in 2002 would have been age appropriate to know who snow was because i don't think the kind of people who are renting this movie would have even know who that is do you guys know who that is yeah we know who it is okay i didn't know if that if informer had a particular informer <laughs> like I, don't, yeah. I wasn't sure if that song made it internationally oh right. yeah he had there, had a lot of radio play down I, here i was getting ready to say there was about a fucking year where you couldn't go yeah. any goddamn place without that stupid fucking song playing <laughs> on something i wonder if it was, it was the same year there as it was here it was big enough for jim carrey to parody it on in living color so okay I don't remember that. No? I'm going to look that up. Go for it. <laughs> Not right now. No. I, mean, I think podcast. probably the best part of the whole movie is is Snow getting shot in the neck with a flare gun. <laughs> <laughs> Him getting shot in that like obvious reference to Pulp Fiction is really funny. <laughs> like, Yeah, those two like security guard characters or whatever the fuck they're supposed to be. The, yeah, they're, they're supposed to be like park rangers. Yeah, com- completely pointless in this movie. Yeah, utterly pointless. Most of the stuff in this movie is pointless. Uh, and if, here's... if Snow didn't show up like at the concert at the end, I would feel like that whole thing was like, oh shit, we need to fill up another 15 minutes of this movie 
Somebody get Snow on the phone and we'll come up with two Park Ranger characters. Yeah, I look, comedy is hard, right? And with comedy, you either comedy, need like comedy isn't this hard. <laughs> it, you either need you either need a really, really good script or you need like people with great line delivery. And this film, I don't think it's a terrible script, but it's not a really, really good script. And I don't think any of the actors aren't really terrible in it, but they're not really, really good either. Yeah, this this movie only had two people who were really, really talented actors. And and that's Catherine Isabel, who's relegated to the random role. Relatively small part and nothing funny to do. And what's his face, whose name I can't fucking remember, who's the park ranger that finds the dude unconscious for three seconds and tells him where to find the truck? Because that's, uh, what the fuck is that guy's last name? Kovac or something like that? He's been in a billion movies. Okay, I'll take your word for it. But apparently Uh, they paid him $1,000 to come and shoot one fucking three second line of dialogue. I don't know. I honestly don't know who played that part. I think it was just because I wasn't paying that much attention by the time we got to that point in the movie. Oh, that guy looks familiar. Uh, Not enough for me to look him up. So it's it's like a lot of because this the thing that's the thing is this movie again. Well, I didn't I didn't have to look him up because he gets top billing in the end credits. (laughs) You guys didn't see that. No. That the I end did, credits start and it's like wait. Bill Kovac as Ranger. You actually you, read the end credits? You, you spent a lot more time with the end credits than the rest of us did on this <laughs> one. No, like I just, I did not. I mean, it, it, some of them rolled by my screen while I was, you know, still sitting, but I didn't do anything to, about reading them or I don't know who the musical director was or anything. If you want to fill us in. <laughs> so I have a question. All right. If this movie was made in like 1986, would you maybe look more at it as like a nostalgic uh, yes. throwback? <laughs> if it's the exact same movie, but it was just oh. made in 1986. I'll, t- I'll say this. Like, I think that if this movie had come out in 2002, when I, when I believe the script was written, because there's so many references that make it make more sense then, I think that like, you know, the typical, like, you've got a case of beer and a couple of buddies and you go to Blockbuster and pick up a couple of shitty comedy films and you come home and you're drinking and watching movies. I think we would have enjoyed this. The problem is, like, this movie came out in, like, 2013 or something. When all these references are dated, it's overly Canadian to the point where it's not going to develop a cult following anywhere. Like, I'm explaining the jokes to you guys on this podcast. And like, you know, especially seeing it now for the first time, like, and trying, like, think, watching it while thinking about like, okay, what am I going to say about this when we talk about it on the podcast? I'm like, there's, what am I going to say about this? Come on, man. <laughs> like, it's the, the fucking <laughs> opening of this movie is a fat guy getting the shits, having a heart attack. And when the lawyer guy goes to rescue him, they manage to find an excuse to have him have a heart attack and fall on top of him in a 69 position while blowing farts in his face for five and a half minutes. Oh my God. Yeah. Like who goes under a stall door that way? Just go in the next stall and stand on the toilet. Look over the top. That would be Well, then what happens when the guy falls and doesn't land on you? And then you can't do the really funny joke where he props his 
like a little Duotang binder up in the guy's ass cheeks to go over the seating plan for his upcoming yeah, wedding. I, I, I'm fine with losing that joke. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, it's very kind of juvenile humor. And maybe part of the problem with this film is it feels a little too polished. Like these are the kinds of jokes you would expect from like teenagers making their own movie. And if that's what this came across more as, but because it's, it looks halfway decent and because the acting isn't atrocious, you're like, I expect better than this. Like (laughs) just, just showing me a fat guy's ass for three minutes. Isn't as funny as you think it is kind of thing. Yeah. John, sorry. John Novak is that guy's name. Okay. The rest oh, of us were, we were all worried about that. Yeah, I, was, I was eating away. Me. You really saved the day by looking that up. You no. guys, you guys would recognize it, probably. <laughs> like so, I say, I probably would have if I'd just been paying more attention at the time of that point of the movie. Like whenever I say he was in movies, like he was in real movies. Like I think he was in Legend of the Fall and stuff. <laughs> I believe it. There's a lot of like Canadian faces like that that are just in a like smaller parts in a bunch of the American movies that film out in Western Canada. Did you guys like seeing Marty McSorley in a movie? I think this is the only movie I've ever seen him in. No, uh, if you can tell me who that is, uh, <laughs> maybe then I'll be happy. Is, oh, that's the hockey player. Yeah. It was a real hockey player. I didn't I'd see. I just figured it was some actor being a random, not hockey no. player, hockey player. But hey, they spent all that time setting up the Bigfoot print and doo-doo joke. Mm-hmm that they carried around the entire movie so that at the end of the movie, he could hockey shot a big pile of doo-doo at somebody. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could hockey shot. Is that the word you're going to, you're going to leave that in there. You just want that to be the way. I don't give a fuck what it's called, Doug. Hockey shot. All right. He hit it with the stupid L stick. <laughs> oh, this, this guy, the, the Kovac or whatever the fuck his name is. Novak. He took over as the uh, the Wishmaster in the last two Wishmaster movies. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think I recognize him. Yeah. I didn't recognize him for like you know. Obviously, I recognize the guy from Wishmaster three, but I wasn't paying attention to this. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a hard movie to talk about though because it is like it's very mediocre. It's like. Well, you know what, about, you know what, what the f- funny thing is? There's I think there are jokes in this movie that if done competently with a competent crew and competent actors and a competent director and competent cinematographer, <laughs> you know, all, I, the th- all the things they didn't have for this movie. I, I think, I think just having uh, more comedic actors would have been enough. I think you could forego the cinematography for, mo- for the type of humor that's in this. I don't know. Every, everything in this movie's bad and I refuse to admit anything's not bad, but uh, <laughs> like the jokes, on paper should be funny. Yeah. Like the dude's spiritual advisor, who's just a piece of shit that basically comes to his house to use his Wi-Fi, should be funny. But it's not. Yeah. Should that be Ken Jong playing him? No, oh, fuck. It, would be it so should be now. If it was yeah. Kim Jong. <laughs> <laughs> Ken Jong was a doctor when they were making this movie, though. Um, yeah, no, I, like... I agree. Like the idea is funny. And that's, I guess that's the point I was trying to make. If you had like 
you go back and you look at a movie like Clerks that has no good acting, no good cinematography in that, but the script is genius and that's what makes it work, right? And then you look at a lot of other comedy films where you're like, it's all about the delivery from these really solid comedic actors. That tends to be like most like most of these like raunchy comedies, that's what they rely on is we create these weird situations, but we've got these actors who can deliver that. And that's where this movie is just like, it's it. The acting is so mediocre that it just, you're like, okay, I understand why this is supposed to be funny, but I'm not laughing. Right. Yeah. Or like the dude getting fucked by Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. You know, you put that in one of the fucking like, uh, Seth Rogen and uh, those guys movies, it would have been Mm -hmm. really graphic and it would have been fucking hilarious. Yep. No, like, again, I agree with what you're saying is it's just the ideas are there. The execution isn't. That Wi-Fi thing is another reason why I think the script was real old, because that feels like a very 2001 thing where you'd go to somebody else's house to use their Wi-Fi because you don't have your own Wi-Fi. A lot more than in 2013. Probably. And they probably should have went with Moosehead Beer as the sponsor because they've got more of a broad appeal, I think, than <laughs> Coconut. Yeah, but this is clearly a Western Canada movie. I, and I, clearly Eastern and, and nobody gives a fuck about Moosehead Beer. <laughs> I do. It's all right. Moosehead's a very good beer. It was before Coors bought it out. And now it's just kind of mediocre shit. Well, they still are independently brewed here in Canada, so. So you say. So are there any other jokes you guys like? There's some titties in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh. And there's a running joke through the entire movie that apparently everyone in this town has fucked the uh, one cop's fucking girlfriend. <laughs> there's that was somewhat humorous. And when whenever the, like when he was like when he goes to the lab at one point and the guy's like, hey, say hi to your wife for me. And he's like, tell him it's uh, Gord. And then he's like, make sure you say lab Gord, not the other Gord. <laughs> so he's like, not only has she fucked me, but she's fucked a different Gord who works in the same building. So make sure you know which one <laughs> I kind of enjoyed. He, he that. said my nickname's horse. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was, Your line delivery of it was funnier than his, though, but. Conceptually, I really enjoyed that joke, that running joke, and I kind of liked the. Um, so it's, it's like the black friend that is the friend of the lawyer who's like a, is he a male stewardess? Is that his idea? Whatever that term. So. Yeah. so he's like, and he, but he like comes to town to meet up with them, and he's just like the sidekick uh, character, but he keeps sleeping with women to get what he wants. Flight attendant now. Yeah, but back when this movie was made, it wasn't. So I'm staying true to the time frame. Oh, okay. Um, um, I find it interesting that he was having sex with two really hot girls at the beginning and then keeps trying to sleep with all the ugly women in town the entire rest of the movie. But he like he, he like uses it to get everything they need. Like when they need yeah. alcohol, he just starts sleeping with any woman in town and in exchange for whatever alcohol they have in their fridge. <laughs> and he's sleeping with that, like the one like chubby lady from the permits department yeah. to get a permit for their party and stuff. He's trying to get a hoe train together and it's just three older women. Yeah, but I, like, oh, that was pretty funny. There's some nipples in this movie, so that's Jesus all Christ, right. Noah. <laughs> it's really what you want to focus on, huh? 
Do you want to name off the actresses that show their boobs in this movie? Or? You're you're the one who read the credits. Those are your two favorite parts of the movie. <laughs> it's the boobs and the credits. I'm just saying, a, a a pretty intolerable film can be made slightly more tolerable if there's just naked women. Hey, I gave this movie a one and a half stars on Letterbox, and one whole star was just because there was boobs in it. <laughs> I thought they did a good job of like when they were doing the because some of the boobs are when they're filming a beer commercial and i thought it was pretty funny that they're like it's the snow and everything and then they just have girls like drinking beer and bikinis for their commercial <laughs> that that was like a nice little dig at the beer industry say so it's not like that's not true yeah it's i'm sure it's accurate if anybody remembers the swedish bikini team actually when kokanee was making their push into ontario back in 0102 they actually would just have like hot girls in kokanee t-shirts go to bars so you're just like you're just sitting in the bar and these girls would just walk in and sit down at your table and try to convince you to drink kokanee and sometimes you'd get a free one and well, i would Weiser try, I, was still doing that i've told about five years ago <laughs> used to turn down the free beers because of my moral stance against kokanee beers <laughs> <laughs> in retrospect i should have taken the free beer <laughs> Makes you feeling better, Doug. I had a huge feud with uh, Carl's Jr. for a long time. Oh, yeah. Because it was Hardee's, and then Hardee's got bought by Carl's Jr., and they got rid of the Frisco Burger for a while. Okay. And I led an assault against them with my newsletter that I sent to, like, 20 of my friends every week. And then eventually... <laughs> they they changed it because they changed all the Hardys to Carl's Juniors around here. Eventually, because of me and probably not from some marketing research to show that people around here didn't know what Carl's Junior was, changed all the restaurants back to Hardy's. Oh. Brought the Frisco Burger back. Works. I take that as a win I, for me. I was gonna say it. I I know that the the point of that story is that. You took the time to put that complaint in your newsletter. Yeah. But I just want to point out that the problem is that you were publishing a newsletter. <laughs> hey, this is the problem like, is this was like 1999. This is when AOL let me change the font colors of font sizes of my newsletter. Oh, shit. I still have I copies of it somewhere. A little bit of HTML code. My friend That's found hilarious. a bunch of them in his email and sent them to me. He's like, That's oh, hilarious. shit. I remember, like, somehow I ended up on somebody's email chain once, and this guy would just email out movie reviews. He'd just go to the movies, go home, and type up an email movie review and send it to whoever was on his list. And then somebody, like, got my name onto that list for a little while, and I'm like, <laughs> it'd be weird. See, that's, that's all right, but... but... I mean, with my uh, modern brain, whenever you said I got on somebody's email chain and they sent out, I was getting ready to be like just yeah. insane political stuff because that's that's what I get. <laughs> I just disassociated just from fifth, most of that an email from some fifth cousin. I never talked to you. That's just like they're putting goddamn alien semen in the water. <laughs> Dude, I have an entire like half of my family who I just kind of don't talk to because I just I'm pretty sure that it's going to end up that way. <laughs> and I'm like, if I just don't talk to them, then they can just be those people I used to know. But if I talk to them and they start saying shit like that, then I got to get into it with them. <laughs> so 
it's like, you know what? Like, I'll just like the pictures of your kids on Instagram and I just, we don't need to chat. Instagram really is the best form of social media. Yeah, because it's just like, it's easy to, know it's like, how to make. Yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm mad about something, but I'm not going to take time to find a picture and then post it on Instagram so I can complain about what I'm mad about. Yeah, people just put happy stuff on Instagram yeah. for the most part. Great. I agree with that. Uh, anything else about this movie since we're trying to talk about anything yeah, else but this movie? Yeah, here's the thing. This movie is only for one fucking small group of people, and yeah. that is super fans of whatever the fuck that beer name is. <laughs> it's absolutely it's absolutely correct. Yeah, and again, it's, I think it's the only think, people, those people that have their like garage filled with Coke memorabilia <laughs> that, but this beer, those people, yeah, that's they, it. They would, they would really appreciate this movie. There's no doubt about that. Like it's, it's weird that this movie exists. I think there's a lot of good ideas. The execution's not there. I don't like to badmouth people who are like clearly just non-professionals trying to make a movie. <laughs> But it's like they just they, they just weren't quite there. The movie's out of date. It's the delivery isn't where it needs to be. I'm I'm unhappy that there's a Catherine Isabel movie floating around that I don't want to recommend to people. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only realistic part of this whole movie is when the guy leaves his bitchy girlfriend for Catherine Isabel. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I would, too. <laughs> fuck, fuck all that shit. Watch watch 13 Eerie. 13 Eerie's dope. Or American Mary. It's pretty dope, yeah. too. American Mary is probably like her best work. Fucking love that movie. Yeah, but it's hard to recommend due to the subject matter. <laughs> well, like we recommend it to people who listen to this podcast. We do. We recommend it to some of the more normal. Like it's not one where you're at the, at the office and somebody says you've seen anything good lately. American Mary is not the one you want to bring up. <laughs> uh, fun fact. Uh, Noah and his friend Evan, who I knew Evan more, came to one of our Drunken Zombie double feature nights or whatever. Or was it a film festival? I think no, it was, it was a double feature. Yeah, I think it was just a double feature. And then Evan and Noah came over and we watched American Mary and then reviewed it on Drunken Zombie. That was the first time I ever met Noah. That's, that's a true story. Oh, there you go. I believe that was the first podcast Noah had ever been on. Yeah. It is the Catherine Isabel that unites us. So he's the whole reason. That's the whole reason he's here right now is because of Catherine Isabel, Doug. So think about that next time you get mad at Noah. Catherine Isabel and her body double that that does her nude shots. That is one of the most uh, respectful things I know about Noah. I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie. It is hurtful. Why are you so hurtful to me? <laughs> I don't know. Because I like that Doug's like the evil Canadian, and he even has like the <laughs> goatee to prove it. Oh, that, that explains everything. This whole time he's been broadcasting from Bizarro, Canada. <laughs> you mean the United States? Because that's what Bizarro Canada is. No health care. We're all dicks to everybody. Rude. I'll show you rude, motherfucker. 
in, a, in a less rude movie, Noah, do you want to tell us about Harry and the Hendersons? Yeah. Uh, Harry and the Hendersons is about a family, the Hendersons, who hit a Bigfoot with their card, quote fingers, Harry. Uh, they, they take Harry home after being convinced that Harry's dead for the second time. Uh, and hilarity ensues. Basically, Bigfoot runs amok in a city and they're trying to find the Bigfoot and get it back home before an evil French uh, hunter slash cryptozoologist finds him. Oh, I almost thought that might be the guy that was the special cameo in Frostbite. Oh, that's it. That what would be the odds of that? That'd be crazy. <laughs> on this podcast that's just how things go sometimes i wish it was him why was that guy so french Does him, can anybody explain that to me like <laughs> are there a lot of french people in this seattle area that i should that i don't know about i gotta i i gotta say two things about this movie right out of the gate because it had been a while since i watched it and you know it's one of those movies that i really liked as a kid because bigfoot mm-hmm. number one Fuck, this movie holds up so well. <laughs> like, it holds up in this great way where nobody uses a uh, a weird racial slur for that time for no reason. or And there's no unnecessary weird gay joke hidden in there somewhere where, you know, uh, John Lithgow has to pretend he's getting a blowjob from fucking Sasquatch or something to hide him, you know, like would have been in most <laughs> movies from that era. This isn't meatballs. Uh, and the second thing is, fuck me, Harry's animatronics are fucking good. Yeah. Those. That's yeah. Rick Baker. I was going to say, those in a movie today would be impressive. Yeah, the the amount of facial expression that comes through that mask is fascinating. It's like if you use makeup on a person's face, you couldn't get it so that there was more facial expression coming out than you get through that mask. Fascinating, genuinely fascinating. Oh. Yeah, like I said, that's that Rick Baker just, yep. just doing amazing things with his artwork. I think I only there's only one bad thing about this movie, and that is I feel like when we go into the uh, the second act of the movie where Harry has escaped out into the city, I feel like the shift of the family all of a sudden really caring about him is weird because they didn't, <laughs> you know, other than the um. little kid. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I. I, I it happens a little quick. I would point out as well that that whole part where like the cops are chasing him around downtown and stuff is it's a little bit too dark and it's it's a little much. Like it kind of drags a little bit, and you're like, you could have spent that time with the family. I think showing why they were starting to care more about Harry rather than having them do such a hard switch and have so much time of like Harry trashing like a TV store or whatever that was <laughs> like 
I, I do know this. Uh, did, you guys know this movie kind of bombed, right? In the States, anyway. Uh, I don't, just because I saw this shit in the theater when I was a kid, and it was awesome. Yeah. So it kind of bombed, and then after it bombed a little bit on its American release, uh, y- you know, there's this weird thing where Hollywood just, like, makes up a reason for why things don't go well. And their argument was that the trailers had been shot in a way to not show Harry because they wanted like there to be a reveal because that's the way good trailers fucking work. But they were convinced that people didn't understand that Bigfoot was a main character in the movie. And that's why people didn't turn out to the theaters. So whenever it was released in Europe and China and stuff, it was renamed to Bigfoot in the Henderson family. (laughs) Figures. Sure, why not? But you know what the fuck that thing is? It did better there. So who who the fuck am I? Who the fuck am I to say that that's ridiculous? Because apparently it fucking worked. Uh, I mean... It really is unusual to have the Bigfoot character be such an important part of the story and to have his relationship with the characters be so important. So I can see how people wouldn't have understood that. You know what I mean? Like It's it's very, very unusual to have the, the way the bond between Bigfoot or Harry and what's his name, Ernie, like the kid is like the way it's portrayed in this movie is beautiful and it's hard to express to people that that's what you're going to see. So, you know, you're worried that you're going to be taking your kids to this movie and you're not going to get a child appropriate movie because you would assume the child would be scared of Bigfoot at some point in time. Um, can't forget that uh, even though I guess I don't know according to Noah this bombed um, it did well enough that they made a TV show based off of it well it ended up it ended up making a ton of money once they did the European release and stuff and I think it did well on home video it's just it's initial American theatrical release underperformed yeah yeah Yeah, I I remember watching the TV show but um can I tell you one thing about it other than uh, what's his name? Bruce Davison played the uh, John Lithgow role. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I've never seen it. I have. I don't have a particular interest in looking it up now. I probably would have watched it had I been, you know, age appropriate oh, when yeah. it was on TV. I think this movie was one of those ones that like a lot of people like rented a lot back in the VHS days. Like kids loved this movie. Yeah. I think, I think that, you know, I'm honestly surprised that, um, it didn't give run into the ground with, uh, direct to video sequels. Yeah, they didn't do that with kids' movies in the late 80s, early 90s. They were more likely to do the TV show, right? Well, or a Saturday morning cartoon. I am I am yeah. kind of blown away that there isn't, like, a, <laughs> The Adventures of Harry. Yeah, I'm... It, and it probably would have been more successful as a cartoon, quite frankly, than a live-action show. I don't know how you keep doing this as a live-action show. 
but well do we have anything else to say about harry anderson you guys notice i think it's actually a really good filmmaking at the very beginning of this movie when you see that family and you see the dad and the son are off hunting and the mom is like back at camp taking care of things and the daughter doesn't want them to kill animals and then they they're driving away in that station wagon and i'm like how good a filmmaking is it that they basically just presented to us? You guys know the Griswolds, right? Yeah. You don't need to learn anything new about this family. Then they're just basically the Griswolds. <laughs> and I'm like, they did such a good job of setting it up. And as they're, when they all get in the station wagon, I'm like, I'm like, why does this feel so familiar? And they get in the station wagon and I'm like, okay, it's like, these guys may, this just could be the Griswolds meet Bigfoot. And I'm like, but that's shorthand for typical American family in 80s filmmaking. It's perfect because you don't want to spend a whole bunch of time getting to know these characters. You want to get to Harry. That's what you that's what you're here for. Right. So they did such a good job of just like setting it up as typical American family. You know, like mm-hmm. Lith- Lithgow's receding hairline is even similar to Chevy Chase's. So. <laughs> One of the. One of the things that's a little awkward in the movie is that their neighbor, uh, who they keep fucking up her pool by letting <laughs> Harry do various <laughs> things to it, which is funny. But I, I know her best from, uh, oh, God damn it. It's that Adam Sandler movie um, where he plays the like super spy guy. You have to be way more specific. You don't you don't mess with the uh, Johan or something. Zohan. Zohan. Okay. That's that's it. Never saw. She it. she plays Nick Swartzen's mom. And there's this okay. whole thing where uh Adam Sandler's character keeps fucking her over and over and over again. <laughs> While Nick Swartzen is helping him out with various things. He keeps coming home and he's fucking his mom. All right. Uh, two people I forgot were in this. I forgot MMM Walsh was in this. So I was happy to see him. And I completely forgot that the mom is the mom from a Christmas story. Oh, that's why I, I recognized her and I couldn't place it. And that's too lazy to go to IMDb. So. <laughs> but I mean, like, talk about your typical mom from an 80s movie. No, like, totally. She's. And, and again, like that shorthand is what you want in a kid's movie. You don't want 10 minutes of opening time to get to know the family before they meet the Bigfoot. You want them to meet the Bigfoot and you want to understand who they are by the time that happens. So. Yeah, I did like when they kept fucking up her pool. It's like. <laughs> Because See, it's, that it last, was also that, that last time where they're skimming it and they just take that old wad of hair out that's like a wig. Because they just washed him in her pool. Because he <laughs> smelled bad. But you know what else they did, though? It's genius filmmaking is like, what is she upset about? She's mad at her gardener because her flowers died. She's upset about all the problems with her pool. They'd, it's perfect because it's like these are the whitest of white people problems. Like it's okay to laugh at her when she's crying about her pool being really dirty. Like no one has sympathy for you because we don't have pools. So fuck you. <laughs> and it's like it's a really good way to be able to just give us a character we can laugh at. She's obviously modeled after the neighbor from Alf, right? That's I'm wow. assuming this came out post Alf. 
because that's essentially uh, what this right movie about the same is. time yeah yeah this movie is very like alf like in the idea of we've got this thing living in our house so we don't want the neighbors to find out about it but they keep being nosy and almost getting in Ooh, alf came out the year before yeah yeah that's that's probably not a coincidence <laughs> which again it's fine like you're you want when you're making a kid's movie, you want to make it in a way that's familiar to your audience. You want kids to feel comfortable watching it. And by making it similar to other kids stuff, that's how you do that. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Everybody jumps on the bandwagon and mm-hmm. got to make their own version of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's not really a criticism. It's just an observation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't recommend Harry and the Hendersons highly enough. I don't think. Because not not only is it a good movie, it's kind of wholesome. It's got good messaging in it, which you don't get very often from older movies. <laughs> you know, it the even, messaging's yeah, kind even of like, like respect, the... kind of respect nature, and don't yeah. maybe not destroy stuff. And uh, maybe if your parents did something to you and it made you unhappy, maybe you shouldn't then do that to your children and just perpetuate that yeah. cycle. Yep. Lots of commie bullshit that they're sticking in this movie to try to trick everyone into thinking. Bunch of woke bullshit. But that the fucking innocent businessmen that are just trying to make another million dollars by selling more guns to the public to shoot more things are somehow the bad guys. I was going to say, maybe not keep a loaded rifle in the back of your fucking station wagon right next to your fucking young children. Yeah, there's the gun safety in the movie was not on point. I'll say that. Like, as like I grew up, like my dad hunted, and I used to go with him as a child. Um, but like at, at no point when I was under the age of ten was I allowed to carry my own gun. We didn't really do that much of that here. And you know, the idea that you're driving around with your gun but you don't unload it first is not okay. Like, you know, the the it wasn't perfect when it comes to that kind of stuff, but. Right. So watch it for the animatronics and stay for the nice messaging. Yeah. And you know what? It's all of the stuff where it's Harry dealing with the family. It's simultaneously funny and like adorable. Like I love watching him when, when they start, when they start to accept Harry as part of the family and you notice like Ernie, just every time they're going anywhere, it's just riding on Harry's shoulders the whole time. I'm like, that's perfect. That's like as a child watching this, I don't like I don't remember the emotions I felt when I was a kid seeing this, but I'm like, I bet you I was jealous of that kid because I bet you I want to ride it on Bigfoot. Like that's that's exactly what I would want to do in those circumstances. So I'd love, uh, love that he got I to mean, do it. You get you get to see a a sensitive, wonderful, beautiful Bigfoot petting an angry little dog. Yep. It's adorable. Uh, which the guy that played him, Harry, played uh, the Predator in the first two Predator movies. Seriously? Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, he was, uh, He's slightly less intimidating in this. Does, does, <laughs> Disney, does Disney also own this movie? Can we get a, a fucking Harry and the Predators movie? Oh my god! I'd watch. I'd watch that crossover film. <laughs> Predator comes to town. He's chasing John, John Lithgow around, and then all of a sudden, Harry shows up last minute. It's like here to save the day. I respect that. 
You see him uh, gear up Gizmo from uh, Gremlins 2 style. Just, yeah, it's just know. a Harry with a bandana. <laughs> this was a uh, this was a universal picture. Nah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's not on it's not on Disney Plus. I checked because oh, I felt like it should be. Although I think that makes Harry a universal monster. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fair enough. We could get a Harry and Gilman crossover. I'm down with that. What if the well, the Gilman was just misunderstood as well. He never wanted to hurt anybody. They're the ones that kept coming there and fucking with him. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. What did everybody watch this last week? So, maybe I forgot to watch something. No, I'm just kidding. I watched, uh, <laughs> I did watch Weird the Al Yankovic story. So, you finally, stop, you guys can stop yelling at me. Uh, tell Char, like, we have to watch this. They keep giving me shit about I it. D- I did, I did tell her that. I was like, I'm, I was supposed to watch this the last like three weeks, and I keep forgetting. <laughs> It's it's sort of adorable that you think I'm going to stop yelling at you because you watched this. So I'm just going to find something else. Uh, uh, I, I'm kind of with everybody on it. It's it's goddamn hilarious. It's really funny. Uh, spoiler spoiler alert. I suppose <laughs> if you it's a free movie, it. if nobody's watching it, it's their own fault. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't necessarily need to go into specifics, but the joke. At the beginning where he basically says this is 100% the true story. And then they go out of their way to make sure that nothing in the movie is factually accurate. Nothing. Not a goddamn well, thing that happens in the movie. There is one thing. So true. How he gets his accordion is true. Yeah. And also he did Wait, record his first his, song in a bus his, station. Bathroom. His dad beat up an accordion salesman. No, an accordion salesman did come to his house and sell him one. Okay. Everything after that plot point is is not true. It is a star-studded cast too. I mean, fucking everybody's somebody in this movie. Yeah. Right. He called in. Everybody loves Weird Al. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody loves Weird Al. So they're just if he says you want to be in my movie, they all say yes. But it's so good. Oh my god! The scene, the scene where the real Weird Al's playing the record executive and. Oh, I forgot his name. Who's, who's, Will who plays Forte. Will Forte? And Will Forte starts going on his rant about how much of a piece of shit Weird Al is, <laughs> and and he's actually going, "Hey, come on, man!" <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh. uh. Yeah, I about lost it when uh, fucking Jack Black shows up as Wolfman Jack. Oh, yeah. Perfect. You know what I love in that scene? It, It's it's the little moments in this movie that make it so much better. And that whole scene of like they set it up and then he's doing like another one rides the bus. And he's playing it in the background. Rain Wilson is just there as a dr demento but he's like dancing along and he's looking into the camera like he's so proud of al for making up this song the whole time and it's just 
it's just it's amazing and you're just like like talk about like for some reason these guys are just fully committed to these ridiculous roles that they've been forced into <laughs> <laughs> like that's like that's what like like hit like rain wilson's performance and fucking like uh what's her name that plays madonna like talk about throwing yeah. yourself into a role evan rachel would yeah. um it's like you throwing yourself into a role that is just like this is a movie that's being made for the roku channel about weird owls early life and you're just gonna like put all of your god-given effort into it like oh my god like i, I respect the hell out of the way these people are just oh, yeah. determined to make this movie better i'm john deacon huh from queen huh <laughs> I, I play bass queen Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I was. Moment too, where it, when he's like, we'd like you to open for us at Live Aid, and he's like, hard pass. Like, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, I watched Weird Al on the Tonight Show. And they asked him, like, how in the world do you get Daniel Radcliffe? And they're like... Yeah, we didn't think he was going to do it, but we asked him, and he was really excited. Like, of course he was. Because he's Daniel fucking Radcliffe, and that's exactly the type of thing that Daniel Radcliffe does now. Like, I got Harry Potter money. I don't need to worry about my image or anything. I just do whatever the fuck I want. I really thought whatever the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I really thought whenever they hit the point in the movie where he starts talking about, I'm only going to do original songs now, that it was going to be like Harvey the Wonder Hamster or one of his weird, dumb songs like that. <laughs> and, and then the fact that they went with fucking uh, eat it, uh, eat it. Yeah, it's like, fuck, God damn it. <laughs> Every time they have a character look straight into the camera and be like, so you wrote this one song 100% you wrote the music you wrote the lyrics this is all you you're not copying anything each time whenever they did that I just this, started fucking this song that I made up 100% not based on any other song <laughs> Michael Jackson just find- released a parody of your song called beat it <laughs> is it about, about eggs? eggs it's about like a knife fight or something I don't know <laughs> He goes like, "What is that? Like, is it, like what a stupid thing to write a song about? You write songs about food, obviously." Yeah. What about the my baloney scene? Fuck it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, that 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 epic moment when he's staring down at the package of baloney, <laughs> and the song is skipping in the background. <laughs> it's so like, oh, listen to this. The DJ. I think the record's skipping at the radio station. And all of a sudden, he just he, he has that accordion out, and they all stop and look at him. <laughs> just, I love that. Like everybody keeps like being like, "You're a genius." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the fucking him going to the party, and it's a polka party. I just about, I just about peed my pants. I was like, "Are no, you?" No, it was going to be a polka party. Me? My parents will kill me. <laughs> Your son was at a polka party. Oh, God. <laughs> You're going to come down and get a job at the factory. What do they even make down at the factory? You don't find out what they make at the factory until you come work at the factory. 
I do love the fact that even after working at the factory, he can't find out what they make in the factory. What about when he's at the polka party, though, and then they're, like, all calling him chicken, and they all just start doing that chicken dance? <laughs> and you're like, what the hell is happening? Like, this is supposed to be, like, 15-year-olds, and that's how they make fun of somebody is by doing the chicken dance? There's, like, there's like a, a girl and a guy running around the party just wearing lederhosen. <laughs> well, it's not a polka party until someone shows up in the lederhosen. Everybody knows that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh my god! I just like that. Like going back to like the the Wolfman Jack scene. Like they're trying to make it like, oh, you can't come up with a song on on the spot or whatever, and then they do it, and they're like, oh, they're gonna try to make him look badass for coming up with a song on the spot. But then he does kind of look badass just coming up with a song on the spot. I'm like, this is the most ridiculous shit ever. Yeah, the way he plays it so serious. As if like this is a really big deal, and as if you can write that song on the spot, like it's yeah, the whole thing is great. <laughs> Just like it, everyone keeps adding to the song. So like Andy Warhol with a kazoo, <laughs> <laughs> which fucking Conan O'Brien is Andy Warhol. <laughs> like what the fuck? I saw an interview with Conan O'Brien, and they're like. They're like, well, was it hard to play that part? And he's like, the wig did all the work. I just kind of stood there. <laughs> They're like, how did you get involved in this? And he's like, well, I don't really do film projects, but Weird Al asked me, what do you, what am I going to do? Say no to Weird Al? Like, and I'm sure that's how everybody in that scene feels. It's just a bunch of famous comedians. And it's just got to be like, like, I can't. It's Weird Al. I just got to do it, right? Oh man, this uh, this guacamole tastes funny. Yeah, that's because it's absolutely jam packed with LSD. (laughs) 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 Oh no! (laughs) You know, there's another hot tub downstairs, right? I can fire that up for you. No, no, I don't want you to go out of your way. (laughs) No, there's like five other hot tubs that aren't in my bedroom. If you want to use one of those. No, no, I'm good. <laughs> Every moment of this movie oh, is just perfect. Yeah. It's fucking Weird Al meets El Chapo. <laughs> <laughs> just like all that stuff. Of course stuff. I had to abduct her. You wouldn't come to my birthday party. <laughs> uh, God. Uh, I need. I might need to watch this movie again soon. <laughs> Madonna is still wanted by the FBI. <laughs> God, I just love that he went to Madonna to ask her if it's all right, and she read all this shit and was like, "Oh yeah, that's fine." Oh, that's what I was telling Char. She goes, "Oh, I bet Madonna's pissed about this," and I was like. It's like, according to every story I've ever read about Weird Al, he probably didn't just, like, ask her. He probably took the entire script to her house and bought her dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like. It's funny to us on an interview with him and they're like, is is any of that real? And he's like, yeah, we I met her once backstage 
1985 for about two seconds. And then I talked to her again when I wanted to do this movie and I had to get her permission. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's the weird bump. Oh yeah. The Yankovic bump. The Yankovic bump. Which apparently is true. It's a, there's an, an element of truth to it. I think it's exaggerated for the film, but yeah. see, I, I figured that was just in reference to the fact that I know there was a period in like the late eighties and early nineties where a bunch of rock stars and stuff were talking about the fact that weird Al parodying your song was like a sign that you had made it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently he said Nirvana's, uh, Agents, managers, whatever, uh, sent him a fruit basket after <laughs> after he released their song because they sold like another million copies of their album afterwards. A fruit basket. The whole story is hilarious too about like him trying to get Nirvana's permission. Have you guys ever heard that? Where like he couldn't he couldn't get a hold of them. So then like when they were doing Saturday Night Live, he just called Saturday Night Live and asked to speak to the band when they were backstage. Well, I believe it was Victoria Jackson specifically. <laughs> He's just like, so he just gets him on the phone. And apparently he's like, tells Kurt Cobain he wants to like do the thing. And Kurt just goes, well, is it about food? <laughs> so it's, like, <laughs> it's like, no, it's, it's about how people can't understand your lyrics. He's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I did love the fucking joke at the end where they're doing um, Amish Paradise at the fucking Grammys. Yeah. And of course, you know, the, the camera pans across the crowd and everybody's just like blowing up and it fucking it gets to Coolio and Coolio's just, <laughs> they're all pissed off. <laughs> uh, oh, my God, uh, man, the movie's so fucking perfect. I'm going to watch that movie again. Right. <laughs> yeah, I have I have no notes. I was, I was watching. <laughs> I was wondering, like, what their plan was. It's like, I don't understand how you make a movie out of his life whenever just everything just kind of went. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) you know, they're even making those jokes. They're like, nobody just gets their songs played on the radio and then (laughs) starts making music. And it's like, no, that's that's just that's what he did. (laughs) (laughs) He just started sending in his homemade songs to a radio show and they started playing them. And people were like, that's funny. (laughs) <laughs> and then he naturally won over crowds in punk bars and stuff by taking the stage and just playing his accordion so <laughs> causing a small riot because the bar did not happen to sell ice cream after he promoted it we all know that part's <laughs> got to be true right <laughs> I will say, he didn't, I, he didn't even have to say anything. The second Pat Oswald showed up in that scene, I was like, God fucking damn it. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, I've been watching Weird Al videos nonstop ever since. It's it's hard, right? Like, it's hard uh, not to. Yeah, because I just watched a couple of them, and now YouTube just recommends them to me. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm not going to not watch Eat It when you've recommended it to me. Thanks a lot. I've too. got on on one of my platforms I have Al TV the uh it was like his version of Headbangers Ball on MTV he used to have I've got all the episodes of that just pretty dope 
where he would it, he would show uh, their video and then his version of their video. <laughs> That's Which awesome. Great. Well, should I mean, we we're all gonna we watch could, this movie again for next week so we can talk about it again? Probably. I was going to say we could just go beat by beat for the movie, but maybe we should talk about other stuff we watched. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we haven't finished it yet, but we started watching Wednesday. Oh, no interest. Yeah, me neither. So Is here's the, here's the thing. I don't, I don't know how to answer that question. So it's a good show in general. I don't, I don't have a lot of complaints it's not all Tim Burtoned up, which is interesting. Surprising. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a little bit of his aesthetic here and there, but I, I think it looks more like the Adams family than it does Tim Burton presents the Adams family. And and more specifically, it looks like the Adams family comic strip made into a live action rather than the TV show being remade, if that makes sense. I don't sure, know okay. if you guys have ever looked at the comic strips before, but well, um, when I uh, when I saw the people were getting all pissed off about um, what's the animated face? one, Louise Guzman playing, yeah. uh, he looks exactly Thomas. like him. Yeah, I mean, I, I would see all those like <laughs> defense of it. It's like. Have you ever seen the original comic strip? He looks exactly like him. Yeah. And they're not they're not a big part of it. The the whole point of the show is that Wednesday gets in a bunch of trouble and she's sent off to a boarding school, which is like uh, the Adams family equivalent of Hogwarts. Does that make sense? It's like a boarding yeah. school for strange children. Where everyone's a werewolf or a vampire or some dumb shit. And so far, the plots and stuff are fine. The only thing I don't like is they turn Wednesday into a very Mary Sue esque character where she just, she's good at everything and she can do everything and she's smarter than everyone and nothing is ever a challenge. And oh, oh yeah, now she has psychic powers. It's like, <sighs> fuck. Which, I don't know, it sucks a little bit of the life out of it. Uh, you know, dr- drama comes from people struggling. And if you make a character that always is good at everything, there is no struggle that is boring. I can see that point. But I do like the characters. It's interesting. I like the storyline. Of course, they some of the jokes they made. So the uniforms for the school are kind of these pinstriped, uh, you know, like British school kid style outfits, but they're like bar striped instead of the thin stripes. And they're kind of blue or purple and black, depending on which way the light's shining for some reason. I'm not sure if they have two different uniforms or if. There's just something weird going on with that show that makes them look different. But Wednesday, they make a joke that she's allergic to color. So they have to custom make her a black and white outfit, even though everybody else is wearing colorful outfits. 
and her roommate is a werewolf that's of course bubbly and bright and excitable and all of that. So they play off of each other. It's good. It's fine. I, I can't I can't say if other people would enjoy it, but so far everyone I've talked to seems to fucking go gaga for it. And Shar really, really likes it. So I can't complain too much if she's watching something that's Adam's family themed, you know. <laughs> Makes me happy. Yeah. So the, yeah. The internet seems to be enjoying it, so Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't know. But Didn't look like it was for me and that's fine. I don't know. But you might want to give it give it a little like I'd I'd give it an episode or two and just see how you feel about it. Well, I was mildly interested just in the idea. I'm like, okay. And then when the first trailer came out and I saw that it was like, oh, Wednesday's going to a boarding school and sh- there's a mystery to solve. I was like, oh, well, yep. I'm not interested anymore. Uh, Yeah, so I watched that and then I watched uh, Dangerous Breeds, which is the uh, Teddy Hart docuseries. Oh, yeah. It's kind of about him and his shenanigans and his uh, ex-girlfriend that went missing and all that kind of stuff. And fuck me. They need to rename that show just a Teddy Hart piece of shit. Because <laughs> by the end of that show, you're like, fuck me. What is wrong uh, with him? Uh, <laughs> it should be retitled someone who shit on every opportunity he was ever given. Yeah. Well, it's it's crazy. So, you know, whenever they get. I mean, I guess you can't spoil it because it's a true story, but. When you get toward the end of it, where they're actually addressing the missing girl. And this documentary guy gets a hold of him and he's like, hey, I want to talk to you about that because I want you to help us find her to give her family some closure. And he goes, because everybody is all over you about this and you could be a hero. You know what I mean? We could redeem part of your reputation if you just fucking help us. And he sits down and they show Teddy Hart basically telling all these different stories. And he fucking lies through his teeth over and over and over again about all this stuff. Oh, she was a fucking drug addict and she was a whore and, you know, all, all and I barely knew her and all this kind of stuff. And, oh, I was in Mexico when she went missing. And then oh, I was in jail when she went missing. You know, it, and he just does this again and again and again and again. And because he's lying so much, you know, you as the, the person watching it will become slowly more and more convinced that he did this. You know what I mean? That he did something to her. And then in the end. They show basically incontrovertible proof that he didn't do it. And that he's just he's just a piece of shit. He's just so unwilling to fucking help or do anything or be honest or, you know, what I mean, yeah. like then you're like, fuck, that's that's even worse. Like, you piece of shit. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, it's mind boggling just how insane he is. Yeah, the, yeah, that bit, that bit where they're like, okay, this is the day she went missing. We've, you know, we've like narrowed it down. We know exactly 
the moment that nobody saw her again. And here's Teddy in a four man wrestling match on the other side of the country that day, like <laughs> on video, which, like I said, 100% proof. <laughs> like <laughs> he wasn't there. He was on the other side of the country. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's just he's just a psychopathic piece of shit who just lies about everything. And the the other strange thing about him is when he talks, he's delivering a wrestling promo constantly. He's never not doing it. Which there is something terrifying about that. To be fair, he's a heart like he's probably raised in a world where you were always doing wrestling promos. Right. Except I've seen interviews with most of the heart family and you know what they don't do? Be their wrestling persona 24 hours a day. <laughs> I mean, even Bret Hart, it, who's about as close yeah. to his wrestling persona of all time. Whenever he does an interview, he can shut it off and talk shop. And Teddy cannot do that. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, obviously haven't seen this documentary series. I don't know much about Teddy Hart, but yeah, I don't know if you want to watch it. It, it will it will make you sick to your stomach. It's pretty upsetting because it's one of those things where he keeps getting away with stuff over and over, and you're like, oh, there's just no justice. There's no justice in the world. <laughs> there's one point his his ex wife and his quote fingers girlfriend basically accused him of rape and sexual abuse and holding them hostage in one of one of the accusations is that he took their passports so that they couldn't leave. And that's a reoccurring theme where every single one of his girlfriends says the same thing. They're like, he took all my IDs and my passports so I couldn't go anywhere. And then he keeps denying that he does it. And it's like, no, you've been accused 20 times. Like every single relationship you've ever been in, they say that you did that. You, it's true. Like, yeah, getting, getting accused once, maybe they lied twice. Maybe they colluded three times. Sure. It's a conspiracy like five times. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> but he, so he ends up going and, into court and they show that his wife had collected all these home videos of him admitting basically point blank on camera admitting to the things he's doing to her and all this kind of stuff she brings it in puts those into evidence and teddy's dad uh whose name i can't remember aj hart maybe aj and gloria i can't remember the, the family's so big that who knows but pays for this expensive lawyer. That lawyer comes in, tears these two girls apart, and Teddy just walks. Like, it doesn't even go to trial. He, he destroys them so bad in pretrial that the case gets thrown out. And, and doesn't destroy them in the, I have, in, you know, great evidence against what you're saying. It's just he, he manages to get them on stand and then twist their words up and make them accidentally say things that contradict stuff. And they cut to an interview with Teddy's dad 
And Teddy's dad says the most honest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. He says, I don't know anything about justice, but I do know quite a bit about the law. And he goes, and the way it works is if you have a good lawyer, you win. And he said, if those girls were my daughters, they would have had the good lawyer and they would be sitting here and Teddy would be in jail. But that's not what happened. And it's like, fuck, that's dark. That's dark as fuck, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like it's not inaccurate. Well, I know it's not inaccurate. It, it's like, but you're not supposed to admit that you basically just bought your son out of a crime. Because on more than one occasion, his dad makes comments. He never outright says it, but he makes comments that infer that he knows that Teddy is guilty of the things that people are accusing him of. And that he just doesn't care, which is so fucked. Yeah. I I haven't seen this, so I'm not going to comment too much, but I do like think, man, when you're the parent of like somebody who commits terrible crimes, it's got to be a weird situation to be in where you're like, like, even if you think the right thing to do is for your child to go to jail for a long period of time, how do you say that? How do you not do everything to prevent that from happening? Right, right. And I agree with that. Me and Char had a whole conversation about that. I was like, she, she's like, well, he shouldn't have paid for the lawyer. And I was like, I know, but it's his kid. You make bad decisions whenever it's your kid. I don't <laughs> Yeah, it's just true. You're going to defend your like, kid like you're. Yeah. Like if you can keep your kid out of jail by just hiring a better lawyer, you're probably going to do it, even if the kid deserves to go to jail, because. Right. I'm not saying it makes you a good person. No, no, it, it, it's. I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I wouldn't want to be in that situation, but. Really tough. Yeah. And I and, you know, it's a real indictment of the legal system where you say, hey, if they had better lawyers, they would have won. Right. Right. One hundred percent. Just I don't know. The whole thing's fucked. Yeah. Yeah. And then the whole thing, because, you know, so he's he's kind of an independent wrestler and he's actually. Well, he was really talented whenever he was younger. I, I can't say if he still delivers or not, but. I don't know. His whole wrestling career has been a shit show. He was the youngest person ever to sign a contract with the WWE. Like he got signed to an actual contract at 18. And yeah, so he was the youngest person ever hired. And then he immediately was the youngest person ever fired by the WWE. (laughs) See, I don't know anything about this guy. Like all I remember is seeing him wrestle on like some weird Quebec wrestling circuit that had their own show on Music Plus. Yeah. Which was like French MTV. So yeah. it was like. Well, yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, he was, like I said, he was hired and then he was fired because, uh, according to their notes, he was utterly uncoachable. It basically, he wouldn't listen to anything anybody told him ever. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that sounds about right. And then he got signed to uh, Ring of Honor. And I guess he fucked that up, too. And then he basically burned through all the big guys. And then he just ended up on, like, the indie scene. And Yeah. 
it, it basically that he's he's almost like a con artist. He basically tricks people into paying for all of his stuff. And he breeds Persian show cats. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's got a big thing about cats. Yeah, because he was still getting in trouble up to like a year or two ago doing crazy shit. Yeah. It, they even talk about it in the in the series that at one point somebody created a Twitter that was like, uh, is Teddy Hart in prison? And every day it would post whether or not Teddy Hart was in jail at that exact moment. It's kind of fun. But yeah, so that's so that's a thing to watch, although I highly don't recommend watching it if you don't if you're depressed and you don't. like. <laughs> it's probably it's not a, it's not an upper. It's 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 just one of those infuriating Here's here's a dude who's a piece of shit who got away with everything and is continuing to get away with everything. And his bad decisions most likely resulted in a girl dying. Yeah, that doesn't sound pleasant. Not it, is, lie. it is not. And he I think he's trying to get away with it by calling himself out. But the filmmaker. Uh. He's problematic because he taught the, the whole thing starts with him saying, you know, I've been shooting film of Teddy Hart for 10 years. And you're like, OK, well, his this girl went missing. A few years ago, so you're like, why are you still filming him after the girl went missing? So that's strange. And then he's like, but we have to go back to the beginning. So he goes back and he starts the story in like 2012, whenever he first started interacting with Teddy. And in year two is when the wife and the girlfriend accuse him of the rape and all that kind of stuff. And this filmmaker just keeps going. Like he just keeps following him around and being like, oh, tell me your side and all this. And it's like, no, you got to stop. Like, <laughs> You have to know at that point, you have to know at that point that the dude's just a piece of shit. And all you're doing is like enabling his bullshit by keeping him in front of a camera. But I don't, yeah, it's fucked up. Whole thing's fucked up. Everyone's a bad person. It's, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's kind of a, with these types of like wrestling documentaries, that becomes kind of a trend where it's like, that filmmakers are terrible as well. Like it's, I don't know. It, it seems like they shouldn't be in doing the things they're doing to get the stories they're getting quite often. We talked about it with that China documentary that came out a while back. Right. Well, and there's, there's a bunch of weird, like they don't bring this up in the show, but they're, it's, it's one of those things so the wife and the girlfriend are on camera over and over again, talking about their swinger lifestyle and, you know, how happy they are and that, you know, everything's good. And then, you know, he leaves for a week and all of a sudden they're filing charges. And whenever he comes back to interview them, they're like, oh, I wasn't even, you know, the first time I met Teddy was the first day you were shooting. They like brought me in to pretend to be his girlfriend. 
and all the and, and you're like, but this is the problem. You guys are on camera for months and months and months pretending to be this happy group. And then you wonder why whenever you go to court, they can tear you apart. And it's because there's endless video of you saying the opposite thing. And, and not to, and I don't mean that in a victim blaming way. It's more like a stay the fuck away from cameras (laughs) kind of way. Well, no. And and yeah, there is that thing. If there's, if you're saying two different things at two different times, that makes you hard to believe. And that's not like if you're a judge or a jury, you can't be, you can't blame them for not like, okay, so you said this, but now you're saying the opposite and you want us to assume you're being truthful now and that you weren't being truthful. Then that's a tough situation to put that, that whoever's making that judgment call. It's tough to put them in that situation, you know? Right. Uh, and I, th- I think that's it. Did I go see anything else? We talked about the menu last time, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that's it. Because I don't think anything came out this week that I gave a fuck about. Oh, no. I watched the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, holiday special. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm assuming we all watched that. Since, yeah. I, since I know Brian watched it and I know Noah watched it and I know I watched it. So my my review of it is. It's is a holiday special. So I started the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Accurate. Do, do, do you like holiday specials? No, you're not going to fucking like it. It's, it's what it is. <laughs> Guess what? There's musical numbers. going to happen. Yeah. And you really liked it, right? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was yeah. great. What, what did you love about it? Um, just sort of the happiness of it. And I will admit I'm in a weird oh. roller coaster at the moment. So absolutely fair. Maybe that stuff is was just really getting to me, but um I don't know. Just you know, for this show specifically and just life in general, watch a lot of dark stuff. And so these characters that I already really enjoy it was just nice to watch sort of a nice like happy story with all of them yeah in other words a holiday special you're you needed that yeah that's perfect did did you not like it doug Uh, i thought it was okay um i don't like, like, I think what like what Noah said is a holiday special. And yeah. in some ways, like, you know, when you watch a holiday special, you expect. Don't expect the same quality you would get if you're watching a movie, if that makes any sense. And I think yeah. that that's true here. Um, it feels. Say it feels a little bit cheap and it feels very rushed. Like, it feels like somebody came to them and were like, it's November. We need something to put out before Christmas. What do we what can we throw together while you're in the middle of filming something else? And they went, oh, well, we can do this quick storyline if we can get Kevin Bacon on board. And then they did. Like, do they have here's my biggest question. Is Chris Pratt in the weirdest fucking wig I've ever seen in my entire fucking life throughout (laughs) this fucking movie? I don't know. I didn't there's, notice. There's no way that that's his hair, right? It looks like a fucking helmet. Because his hair did look kind of weird, but I just thought, oh, maybe it's just because, again, the quality is not as good as the 
the films. So maybe it's just the cameras they used or something, but maybe it was just, it was just weird. I think my, the only expectation that I kind of got balked a little bit on is I expected it to be a lot more vignette type things in which there were a few, but yeah, there wasn't much of that. Yeah. But in, yeah, instead it was all the Drax and, um, Manta stuff. Yeah. Which, that's the bit that I was like, okay, this is getting old. Like, I I did enjoy, like, I thought Batista's performance was really fun. Like when he referred to the candy cane as a man, as a man, because he's just like, I don't know what that is. I just assume it's like going to come to life. I thought that was pretty funny. I have to go back and get my funny little man. Yeah. And then he gets one as his Christmas present. See, that's, yeah. that's the fun, lighthearted stuff I was excited about. Yeah, I like that. I, th- I think maybe my favorite part of the whole thing was James Gunn on Twitter fucking blowing people up whenever they would bitch about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part of the whole thing was definitely the, the band at the beginning that plays oh the my, song about oh Christmas my. that they're on their uh. like fourth like for like their telephone game of learning about Christmas. And then they're like trying to explain it. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And then it's, at the end when uh, Chris Pratt just goes, you guys just got these instruments now. Like <laughs> 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 that's his only reaction. I really enjoyed it. Oh. Um, he goes, no, 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 that's not the lore. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> at so one point when he's like, that's not even close. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, all right. Um, yeah, that's, that band is old 97s, which apparently is one of James Gunn's favorite bands. Okay. And they showed up, put all the makeup on and did the whole performance and makeup, which was nice. That's good. The, uh, the, the people complaining about the joke, uh, spoiler, big spoiler alert, uh, the joke about the arm at the end. Yeah. I just don't fucking, it's such a fucking lighthearted, dumb callback joke. Mm-hmm. And people are taking it so fucking seriously. It's like, <laughs> just like, calm down. Please. I did, I did listen to something where guys were debating like which version of the arm it was. And I'm like, all right, I would like to know, but yeah. But do you expect in the next captain America movie for Bucky to be like, Oh no, I can't find my arm. I don't know where it's at. And then they have this big old like story about it. Well, it's like people should just like calm down. Well, I mean, they, they redesign his arm like every movie anyway. So yeah, yeah. there was a joke. Uh, so online, some I'm trying to remember what they said. They said something about you know, oh, how could she have got his arm? Blah 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 blah. And, and James Gunn was like, oh, God damn it. She went to Earth and she was feeling so Christmassy that she just ripped his arm right off his body. <laughs> and they're like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And he goes, nope, it's canon now. Sorry. It's <laughs> worth the issue. I just canonized it. It's canon. <laughs> what, if, what if there's a post credit sequence of her showing up at like Bucky's apartment after the next Captain America movie or something <laughs> and like politely asking for his arm like. Oh, uh, what if it's like they just reproduce the shot from 16 Candles where he asks if he can borrow her underwear for 10 minutes? <laughs> but they just do it with her and Bucky instead for his arm. That would be a good joke. 
What's the other one? Somebody, I, I would love to see it, like that moment of like, it. and then he like goes in his closet and there's like a couple of different arms hanging there and he just gives her one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the big complaint, a whole bunch of people are throwing a tizzy about it being like, oh, it's another joke about disabilities. And I was like, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how you call it a disability when you have a person who's, I don't know, survived most of a century and is a quasi immortal superhero. Like, he doesn't have an arm. It's not like he's hobbling to the restroom. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, he doesn't not have an arm. He always has an arm that it functions way better than right. any of our arms function. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he's got a he magical just, super arm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, sometimes people just read too much into shit. I wouldn't get yeah. worried about it. Like, it's fun to hypothesize about how all this shit's connected. Sometimes you just need to be like, eh. It's a Christmas special. Just get the fuck over. Well, that's the other thing is like, is this even really canon? I mean, is it going to be one of those things where it it turns out it's just not because it's a Christmas special? Because they could do that if they wanted to. Sure, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it it just rational people like us don't see that it has to not be canon, whereas people who get obsessed about where how they actually got the arm is then when James Gunn has to get shitty on Twitter and just say it's this way because I said so deal with it right and now I'm going to go over to DC and ruin all them too so shut the fuck up yeah there was I'm trying to remember what one of them and then somebody of course because there's always both sides arguing the exact opposite thing about the same thing and somebody was throwing a fit about forced inclusion about it and James Gunn's response was like how on earth is a cybernetic assassin traveling to earth and tearing the bionic arm off of a superhero forced inclusion (laughs) yeah Um. Nah, it was fun. It was fun. I really, I had a good time watching it. Um, I was, I was, I definitely didn't uh, weep tears or anything, but I did have, I was emotionally moved twice. Well, I did. So it's okay. The scene, the scene where Quill walks in and all the Christmas lights turn on. Yeah. I'll I'll admit it. Touch, touch me, touch me a little bit. Trust me, I had tears streaming down my face. Because I mean, I, I, and I, I kind of, I even Christmas. know that feeling a little bit. But uh, and and then of course the the wraparound thing at the end too is like. Oh. Um, I was excited. Uh, we get Cosmo. Oh, Cosmo! Yes. Having Cosmo play such an important part was interesting because he was just like yeah. in the background of that one shot in the previous movie, right? And then he's just like, <laughs> I liked him there. I like when he barked and his voice came out. Well, I was going to say, because you, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm just happy about it because he was never going to be used. Should be. Because they should do like a crazy team up thing of like rocket and Cosmo and Howard the duck and like a few other characters that just aren't getting going to be used properly and let another director who's bonkers go make some crazy ass space movie about them. I was kind of annoyed that Howard wasn't in this. 
That's what it was missing from my perspective. Well, Cosmo's going to be back in the in the movie as well. Maybe Howard will show up there. I don't know. They might be holding Howard back for something. I think I th- these one-hour specials, I think we might be in for a Howard the Duck one-hour special. I'd be down. Howard the Duck's Easter kind of thing? Not necessarily holiday. I th- I think what I've heard is there's rumblings that maybe they're going to cut way back on the TV shows because I don't think the TV shows have been quite as successful as they thought they were going to be in doing more of these one hour specials because they are performing well and they're easier to make. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I, like I really enjoyed werewolf by night. I think I, this was pretty good. So sure. Keep making them. It's working. I, my only disappointment with werewolf by night is that it wasn't fucking five and a half hours long. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have um, I'd have no problem with it if they just started doing this, where every year they came out with new specials for the holidays, right? Like next year, instead of the Guardians, it's I don't know whichever other character they happen to be filming a movie for and have everybody together. So we just take add a couple of days to the shooting and make a little holiday special out of it. So every so eventually you have like a bunch of these that you can rotate through every year at the holidays. Yeah, either that or every year. They come out with something that has Kevin Bacon in it at the holidays would be another fun way to do it. <laughs> like if he has to start teaching about Christmas to like, like it's now his mission in life to teach people about Christmas and every year he has to teach a new group. That'd be fun. Yeah. They, um, uh... Oh, did you guys know who was doing the voice of Cosmo? Yeah. It's a uh, Borat's daughter from the second Borat movie. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. I was really I was almost kind of expecting the uh the original Guardians to show up too in like a cameo again. Yeah. But well sounds like Sylvester Stallone at least is gonna be in the third movie. So I'm sure his team's gonna show up in that one. So maybe I mean, we'll do more with them. I, I think they might set it up so that whoever's gonna continue on doing that stuff can use them. Yeah. Because because it, it sounds like most of the cast from James Gunn's version said this is our last one. Right. Yeah. Well, I think is with him leaving, most of them don't want to do it without him, right? Yeah. Pretty clear when he had his like little controversy where he was gone for a while. Well, Abe Batista's talked about the fact that he's just he's starting to get old. And keeping up his giant physique and stuff is not. Um, I mean, I don't want to didn't want to say it, but he's clearly not in as good a shape here as he has been in other things. And they put a shirt on him to cover that up. But it's still pretty clear. And it's like he's still in better shape than any of us. But he's not in like you go back to that first Guardians and you look at what he looked like. How can somebody maintain that? It's just not reasonable. Nebula needs way more screen time, so I'm glad everyone else is leaving. <laughs> uh, Chris Pratt has become less likable over time, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just it really talking. bums me out. Yeah. It's so awkward, too, because I even don't, like, feed into. I, I try to ignore people's political stuff as long as they aren't super open about it. 
and he hasn't been, but I don't, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know. He just doesn't seem as funny anymore. And maybe the world has ground him down with people calling him a piece of shit constantly. Yeah. Well, maybe his like, like all the hype around him from like being a lovable guy from the TV show that then got in good shape so he could be on the Marvel movies and stuff. Like maybe that's kind of like just faded off now and he's lost that goodwill. Maybe. I mean, it has nothing to do with anything outside of just, you know, now that the, the, the shock of like, oh my gosh, look at how good he's done has worn off. It's like, it's not like the character has a lot of development over the movies. It's like, just him. Just I'm stoked to see Warlock in the next movie because that actor has got so fucking swole. I really was not expecting them to do that, but he is gigantic. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who these personal trainers are that Marvel uses, but they're real good at their jobs. Well, it turns out, yeah, like in Hollywood, they have a lot of personal trainers who could have seen that coming. <laughs> yeah, but I've seen I've seen transformations for movies and been like, wow, that person got in real good shape and all that kind of stuff. But these fucking ones they're doing for these Marvel movies are otherworldly, where it's like six months and they're like shredded like a Greek god. It's it's really got to be considered unhealthy. Yeah, <laughs> it can. It, yeah, it cannot be good for you. It's like when Christian Bale went from like twelve pounds to two hundred and twelve pounds for in between movies, and you're like, I don't think you can do that in a good way. I just, oh, it's still bad. Watch, watching the Machinist, you're like, why did he do this to himself? <laughs> <laughs> for like for like this weird indie movie. Is a. Uh... Yeah. Then, then you know, beef back up to do Batman for his next movie. Yeah, right. Insane. God, the machine it, is so good, though. Yeah, I know. Still really like him as Batman too. So I guess I'm glad he did that to himself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he hasn't had horrible physical problems from all the up and down that he's been doing. I bet you he does that we don't know about. Possible. Yeah. Anyway. I suppose we should get back to it. What'd you watch, Dad? Oh, is that all? We're done with that? Okay. <laughs> I mean, to keep it going, just because why get off that train? I, I, re- like, I, re- I watched a Christian Bell movie. God damn it. Fuck. Oh, no, but I watched, a, I watched a different James Gunn thing after watching Guardians. <laughs> <laughs> Another I, thing I, with the Kevin Bacon in it? No. Yes, actually. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I went back and watched Super, which I hadn't seen in a while. And man, it holds up real well. Um, I'm assuming you guys have seen it, right? Like, yeah. I'm not going to, oh, yeah. I don't have to it's, worry it's about been, spoilers. No, it's been a long time, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's near perfect. There's so many, there's so, everything good about it. Um, if, if it no. just wasn't for that, that the sexual assault scene in that movie. Where he gets is, raped by Elliot Page. Yes. It makes you yeah. want to vomit. It's so bad. Like it's hard. It's hard to watch. Like this woman force herself on this fucking like nerdy guy. 
Well, not just nerdy, like a nerdy, clearly handicapped person. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's he awkward. Is, he is unwell. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if handicap's the right word, maybe unstable, but either way, it is like a little bit difficult to watch. But um, yeah, I mean turn around and look at all the stuff with him just whacking people in the face with wrenches though <laughs> dropping bricks off buildings onto people's heads shut up crime and then he runs and gets in his car which is parked at half a block away drives off the best I that movie is all worth it for the uh, the speech the one where he's talking about like you don't you don't even have to be a superhero you just don't you don't hurt people, you know, what I mean? yeah. you don't, you don't do this. And then he like, he throws in that you don't cut lines. <laughs> the yeah. theater, you know? But it, it is like, it's oddly, it is. Um, there's a weird messaging that goes on in there where it is this guy who's just like, you, why wouldn't, why do I have to do this? He doesn't want to go out and beat people up, but he feels like he has to, because like, why is everybody just being such dicks all the time? And he's right. Like not condoning everything he does in the movie, but it's like, you understand where he's coming from in a way that makes you relate to the character. And then the next thing you know, he's dropping a brick off a building onto a guy's head. And you're like, I shouldn't be relating so closely to this character. The ending is just so like, like when he saves his like his, like his wife and then she leaves him anyway and <laughs> he's like see I did the right thing because now she's happy with her new family I'm like oh god that's just hard to watch like that is it is difficult to understand the level of sacrifice that he's doing by being happy for her but I don't know on the other hand, like just there's also the scene where he's shot in the leg and he asks Ellen Page for help. And she's like, okay, take your pants off. And he's like, but then I'd be in my underwear and that's inappropriate. <laughs> and you're just like, fuck, like you've been shot in the leg. Maybe you're going to have to take your pants off to have someone help you with this. <laughs> I do like, I, I do like the end of the movie too, where he's, the the reveal of the some people are chosen thing mm-hmm. where you know where he basically is like it's not me you know <laughs> i was i was just here to make sure this person didn't die so that they can do something good yeah anyways, I, I i love the movie i I get a little nervous watching these movies that I haven't seen in a while. Like, is it going to hold up? Like, was I just excited about it when I first saw it? But now it holds up real well. So it does have a lot of like the, the opposite of what you were saying about Harry and the Andersons. It has a lot of unnecessary um, homophobia and other stuff in it, but it's the type of movie it is. So it's, you know, what do you do? Um, the only other thing I watched was I decided I'd watch Godzilla versus Kong, even though I'm not really up to date on this weird monster verse that exists. Uh, how can you keep track? I just decided to jump right to this one. <laughs> um, 
man, like I knew the movie would be dumb, but I didn't realize it was going to be this aggressively dumb. Like <laughs> it's the movie's fine. Cause it's in no way does it try to be anything other than dumb, but like, Oh my God, the level of stupid in this movie is like, like the whole thing where they're like, Oh yeah, there's a, there's a hollow earth theory. I don't know if they set, set that up in a previous movie that I haven't seen or not, but they're like, oh, there's a hollow earth and we haven't persuaded that. And they're just like, and that's all just, you're just expected to accept that. And then they get down there and like the Kong finds his like long lost weapon or whatever it is. And it's kind of glowing the same color as Godzilla's lasers. So you're like, okay, he's going to use that to fight him. That makes sense. And I'm like, it's a little weird that he knows how to, use it and pick it up and stuff, but uh, and then it turns out the giant axe thing is also a key to open up like a power source and Kong just instinctively knows how to use it for that as well. It's like, well, wait a minute. This is getting a little far here. (laughs) Meanwhile, our other characters go 33 stories underground and get into some underground train thing that takes them from Florida to Hong Kong. But I'm like, I thought the only way to get to the hollow earth was to go over to the other entranceway thing. Wouldn't this underground train thing have to kind of pass through the hollow earth to get there? This isn't making a lot of sense at all. (laughs) Followed by like, at some point, fucking Godzilla comes. Or it's not Godzilla. Kong comes climbing back up through Hong Kong after having passed through the hollow earth. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. How did he get back up? There was no second entrance over there. None of this is making sense. <laughs> Looking for too much sense in this movie. It's, there's a scene in this movie. So like when Mechagodzilla shows up and I mean, there's a whole, a whole set of problems with the Mechagodzilla storyline. But at one point, like some of our characters, um, stranger things and her friend, and then like the security guard that they befriend are all running around and so they're going to test out Mechagodzilla and they release like a monster in for Mechagodzilla to fight. And the monster is chasing these people around and then Mechagodzilla comes out and kills the monster and saves them. And none of these scientists observing Mechagodzilla's test notice the people that were in the middle of their fighting pit with the other monsters. It's like, what just happened? They were running around in there. The monster was chasing them. You had to program your big robot to fight that monster. Did you, how did you not notice what it was chasing? It's just ludicrous. Not to mention the fact that like the whole plot line of the Mechagodzilla thing is um, basically the humans have built a Mechagodzilla so that if Godzilla attacks, there's the capability to defend yourself, which is the storyline they wrote in after the deal fell through when they couldn't do the crossover with Pacific Rim. They're like, that's why we use Mechagodzilla, right? Um, but then the whole thing becomes like, they're like, well, Godzilla is really the good guy because you provoked him by building that giant robot. And I'm like, but they built the robot for defense. So you're trying to make Godzilla the good guy using the same argument that Putin used to invade the Ukraine, which is like, <laughs> hey, they're getting too friendly with the West. We have well, no choice but to invade. Well, but they didn't just, they didn't just, it wasn't exactly that they built it for defense. They used, uh, because they used Ghidorah's brain in it. That's what was making everything, making him go batshit. Still, 
they weren't using it. I mean, they might have eventually because they were the big evil corporation. So at some point you have to assume they would have used Mechagodzilla inappropriately. But in the context of this movie, they're only using it to fight giant monsters that attack the city, which is a good use. But that's so, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. I think it's. I don't think it's irrelevant. because no, <laughs> you're trying to say Godzilla. No, they, they've they've established the fact that Godzilla will only tolerate other giant monsters that kowtow to him. So by creating that, they've created a giant monster that is not kowtowing to him, which right. brings down his wrath. I don't know. I feel like both of you have thought about these movies way too much. It's just, it's. Well, I'm just, I, I'm just saying. I kind of get the logic to it. I, but I'm a giant Godzilla fan, and and I've watched all the fucking weird movies. The fact that there is weird Hollow Earth shit in this movie is one of the least weird things ever <laughs> happened in a Godzilla movie. The original Mecha Godzilla movie has goddamn shape shifting ape aliens. <laughs> This one kind of does. It's just it's just giant Kong. That's all. Yeah, not not giants. They're just dudes. They're just shape shifting eight people from Planet of the Apes, basically. <laughs> it's real no, weird. Godzilla is weird. Again, it's it's impressive that somebody put this much money into a production that was this stupid. But I wasn't really expecting anything more going in, so I wasn't hugely impressed by like the big fight scenes and stuff, which is what I was more hoping for. I, I, the only thing I disliked about it is I felt like they, uh, they kind of took a, a bitch way out of deciding who wins by making them team up. Well, by doing one fight, Godzilla wins. One fight, Kong wins. Third fight, Godzilla basically wins, but then they're interrupted. And then in the end, we know Kong could fucking kill him. But instead, because Kong's the reasonable one, Kong sublimates to appease him instead of fighting him. And I was like... That's a cheap way out. I wish they would have just fucking murdered each other. This movie presupposes that Kong has been captured and is living in captivity under constant observation by a scientist who didn't notice when her daughter taught Kong sign language. (laughs) Somehow this child has so much time alone with Kong not being supervised that she could teach him how to speak and everybody's just like wow that is surprising well i love the fact that what a fucking crazy idea that they didn't capture kong instead of capturing kong they just built a dome over skull island they were like we'll just capture the whole island and then he's included Which I suppose if you have infinite resources and stuff, that kind of makes sense. But I was like, like it would take a long time and that Kong would probably notice them building a giant dome over him. Well, I took it as they built it like a huge dome and then lured him into it somehow. Maybe. I think the dome covered the entire island. 
don't know. Again, we're overthinking this. <laughs> in, in a world where, like, the child taught him sign language. And we're to assume that, like, her mother was monitoring the ape for 10 years and never noticed that it knew sign language. And also that this kid, like, didn't bring it up. It's like, what'd you do all day while well, mom was working? Oh, I taught a giant monkey sign language. <laughs> like, you'd think that would come up in conversation at dinner. That's all I'm saying. But whatever. Yeah. Apparently they're working on a sequel. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, Okay. I don't know if I'll see it or not. Like again, like I don't. I think I feel like there's movies in this series that I haven't seen, but I don't even know what they are. It's not even like I know. Like not like I didn't watch them. It's like they just didn't happen to. There's only like three of them in there. No, I really don't know. I saw Godzilla in 2014 or whatever, and then I saw this. Oh, there's, you're just you're just missing the one in the middle. Godzilla, Kong, only one. And Godzilla Two is pretty much all it's been done. Godzilla King of the Monsters. It's when all all the monsters show up and they have a big battle uh, royale. Okay. All right. Which is where King Ghidorah's brain comes from in this movie. Yeah, all right. I didn't question where it came from. <laughs> it's, by the time you get to that reveal, I'm just like, yeah, at this point, I'm not asking any follow-up questions anymore. And then Kong comes popping out into Hong Kong and I'm like, nope, there's no entrance there. They specifically said the only entrance was in Antarctica. That's why they took them there. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was all I watched. So, pretty really? slow week, I guess, yeah. I tried to make my kid watch the old Rudolph Christmas special, but it didn't go well. No, he wasn't a fan. No, he's just like, what is this? He's like, is this a cartoon or not? And I'm like, it's claymation like it's sort of <laughs> he's like you can still love your child but never as much it's <laughs> and he like he, he wants to watch the new version of the Grinch that came out like a couple of years ago and I'm like but it's not it's not the version I want to watch though <laughs> oh, you have to show him the new horror one that's coming out yeah yeah I'll do that <laughs> As we're recording this, Violent Night is only like two days away from release. So. Yeah. And then, a, and then a week after that, I think we get uh, Christmas Bloody Christmas. So I thought it was reversed. I thought it was Christmas Bloody Christmas this week, and then Violent Night the following week. Maybe. I don't know. I'm double checking this because this is important to me. I just looked at my uh, app and do not see Violent Night playing at my theater on Friday. So I'm... Yeah, uh, maybe I... you got it backwards because I... nope. Christmas Bloody Christmas comes out around the 6th. I've got I'm staring at showtimes right now for both my local theaters on Thursday, December 1st. God damn it. So. Son of a bitch. Canada getting early release because that's going to piss me off. Because that actually might be handy, because if I go see that on Thursday with the local uh, art house theaters showing uh, Batman Returns on Friday night, I thought I was going to miss it because I was going to be going to the other movie. But both. Yeah, this does say it's Violent Night is coming out in December. 
So am I going to see it before you guys? That'll be fun. Possibly. Be yeah, next I've, week. Got, I've got Violent Night showing in IMAX next Friday. <laughs> it's amazing it's showing in IMAX. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Mine now shows it too, but when I looked at specific times for my theater on Friday, I didn't see it. Maybe they hadn't updated until now. Doesn't matter. Yeah, but I'm going to see that shit in IMAX. That's yeah, I, was, I was getting ready to say, that shit's getting seen in IMAX. Yeah. No way that's not happening. So good. I'm so excited now. Um, let's see. Uh, the only movie I watched was uh, my friend came over yesterday. He hadn't seen Ready Player One before. Um, so we watched that because I enjoy that movie. Um, I enjoyed the book. For some reason, some people don't like the movie. I don't understand why. It's perfectly serviceable for what it needs to do. And they changed the cultural references, Brian. Oh, I don't care. I'm happy with the ones that are in there. That's all that matters. Um, so we watched that. We had a good time with it. Um, uh, I'm all caught up with The Walking Dead. Uh, that was a horrible last run of episodes for the show. Well, that's reassuring. Uh, well, it takes completely any tension out of how the show's going to end. If you know that like five of the characters are getting their own spinoffs. Yeah. It, it seems disingenuous to call it an ending and then have that many spinoffs coming. Right. So I was just kind of like, eh. Especially since it's the walking dead. It just, it needs to end with everybody dying. Right. <laughs> so. I think the better way to do spinoffs would be to have the spinoffs be tell the story that, like they tried to do with that other the first spinoff show of like tell the story from a different perspective with different characters yeah but yeah I don't know. which they're doing with that too they, they have the what was that the tales of the walking dead which is like anthology it's like a different story each week different okay. characters somewhere else this show hasn't been too bad i haven't watched it so yeah. that's part of it too is like i'm just getting to the point where there's too much of this shit like where everything is a million things and i'm like i can't watch 10 walking dead shows and keep up with the mcu and keep up with all the star wars shows and 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 right yeah the Willow show comes out, I think, like tomorrow as we're recording this. And I'm like, I wanted to watch yes. the movie again before the show came, but I don't know if I'm going to have time. <laughs> Not enough time for anything. Uh, the only other thing is, I started to watch Terrifier 2 because I was kind of, you know, excited yeah. by the buzz for it. And I watched Terrifier 1 and terrifier one was fine like it's not gonna set the world on fire or anything but you know i enjoyed fine. it but i feel like a lot of the people who were ex super excited about it were like i don't know it's like is this the first time you've watched a gory movie like it's right. yes there's some good gore in it and i enjoyed yeah. watching that because i like gore but yeah yeah the first one is just him chasing two girls around an abandoned apartment building yeah. And sometimes you want to watch a movie where some character chases two girls around in an abandoned apartment building, and that's fine. Um, 
So I put the part two on and uh, I turned it off halfway through. By the way, halfway through was an hour into it because this movie is two hours and 18 goddamn minutes. That's why I didn't see it in theaters was the two hour and 18 minute runtime. I was like, that's a little much for what this is. Yeah. And guess what? Jack shit has happened in the first hour. Really? Yeah. Like nothing really like even worth watching. Number one. Uh, 10 minutes of the first hour is spent on a dream sequence that we go into uh, like two minutes after meeting the main character. She falls asleep and then has a dream that she's on some weird kids show or then Arthur the clown shows up and starts murdering everybody. But you know, it's a dream sequence the entire time. So you're like, okay, well, what is this for? Not learning anything about this character. That's going to be our main character going forward. We know it's a dream sequence, so whatever happens in here doesn't matter. It's ten goddamn minutes long. And then the kills good. I mean, no, but they're not they're not any better than anything from the first movie. Okay. Um and then pretty much nothing happens. There's just people talking about like, remember when that clown came to town and killed a bunch of people last year? That was fucked up. And that's like the extent of the first hour of the movie. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to stop watching this because right now, because I just, I, I can do something else for, for the next hour and be perfectly happy. So I don't understand how this movie made like $5 million in the theaters. Cause Jesus fucking Christ. First half oh, you're of it talking about slog. it. Huh. Yeah, I mean, there's some gory stuff, but I mean, like it's the same filmmaker, but man, he thought he was making something that was so important that we cannot cut anything out of it. We have to make sure that everything I put down on paper makes it into this film because it's that important. And but see, yeah, and I think that's like. Just make an, another one that's like make a carbon copy of the other one. Just yeah. do another one where it's like now we're just going to like he's killing people in a different building and come up with clever new ways to do the kills and stuff like that. That's what this should be, right? Essentially a slasher film. So why are we trying to make it anything else? Right. Now I listened to a review of it. I was watching it so I could listen to another podcast that was going to review it. And after that, I was like, I'll just fucking listen to the review. Like, I don't need to worry about being spoiled. Jesus Christ. Right. And so I just listened to the review and some of the, like most of the people were like, oh my God, you could easily cut 45 minutes out of this movie and not change a single goddamn thing that happens. And I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, again, I didn't think the first one was like, you know, super great or anything it was fine for what it was and achieved what it needed to achieve but this one yeah someone gave this guy a budget and let him just do whatever the fuck he wanted so he didn't he didn't fucking edit himself at all when it came to the editing room there's just a bunch of shit that just makes like this just like why was this in here this didn't say anything it doesn't mean anything 
apparently a bunch of stuff that they set up at the beginning of the movie doesn't even remotely come into play in the movie after the hour mark. This girl has the sword for some reason. Like she's like, oh, my dad gave that to me or whatever. Because apparently her dad, they make it make it sound like the dad passed away like a little bit ago or something. It's like, oh, this is my dad's, and it's like, oh, she's probably gonna need this sword to like kill Art the Clown later. And apparently, like that that whole thing just goes absolutely nowhere. The fuck are they even doing? That's that all sounds very upsetting. Yeah. So, so I don't know. People can write to us and tell us what they liked about Terrifier Two. I guess I just I don't know. And maybe it, maybe it is me just overthinking it. Just enjoy some of the gore, but Jesus Christ, like nothing fucking happens in the first hour of the movie. <sighs> so, do not recommend. That's like legitimately. I think that's unfortunate because it, it kind of high hopes for that. Yeah, it bums me out too, just because there's been like horror movies have been doing really good this year and I was really excited. This was one of them that's been doing really good. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I don't like this thing that was doing really good. So that bums me out. Huh. I don't know. Maybe I'll watch the other hour at some point and report back, but Jesus. Yeah, like when it shows up somewhere for free, maybe I'll throw it on. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, Noah was on Scott's podcast and was complaining that we weren't doing enough weird cult movies. Fuck. That is that is not what I did. That's exactly what you do. You are misrepresenting exactly my words. <laughs> He's like, we claim to do cult movies, but we're doing Harry and the Hendersons this week. Um, so I found two cult movies that have a very weird, uh, specific, uh, theme going through them. Oh, I love our really overly specific themes. And it's about, uh, American men going to Japan and getting into fights with the Yakuza. So first of all, we're going to watch black rain from 1989. Starring Michael Douglas. Um, him and his cop partner arrest a Yakuza member and must escort him uh, back to Japan. And of course, shit goes crazy. Um, a better storyline. Uh, uh, basically, they get uh, pulled deeper and deeper into the Japanese mafia scene and they have to learn that they can only win by playing the game the Japanese way. So I'm sure there won't be any horribly racist stuff in this movie when we watch it. I'm reasonably confident that there will be. Well, maybe in the next movie, which is 1995's The Hunted, uh, which is about an American businessman visiting uh, Japan. He meets a woman in a hotel bar. Returning to her room, three ninjas kill her and wound him. But he sees the ninja boss's face, and now he's the prime target of a dangerous ninja cult. Uh, which I should mention, the American businessman is played by one uh, Christopher Lambert, 
So there can be only one. (laughs) So, yeah, Um, I had to do an article about movies that you should watch before the movie Bullet Train. And apparently both of these have bullet train scenes in them. I was like, both these movies sound interesting, so I put them on the list. So, going to Japan next week. I say, get to watch a Christopher Lambert movie, so I'm pretty happy. Hey, we'll see how this goes. I mean, there's Yakuza, there's Ninja Cults. There's got to be something good in this, right? Uh, and I'm also saying this, and I haven't really looked to make sure these are available anywhere, so I have to call an audible, audible at some point. But for now, this is what we're watching next week. All right. I don't see what could go wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> openly acknowledging that we might not be able to find the movies. Well, I didn't think about it till like right now. Um, okay, it looks like Black Rain is available to watch on Amazon Prime and to rent just about anywhere. So that one should be easier to find. Oh, The Hunted might be a tough one. I'll have to look into that one. The listeners really like it when we search for the movies while we're still It is part of our charm. People write in all the time and like we love it when you guys do housekeeping stuff. When you guys are so so fucking unorganized that you can't settle on the movies. It's only been like what a week since we had to debate which version of Frostbite we were watching, and then this is where we ended up with was the movie we watched this week. So Yeah. Oh, which we never pointed out. Just watch fucked us over. Because we were supposed to watch a different version of Frostbite. And it's like, oh, this says it's on Tubi. And then you, but it's the one about like a schizophrenic kid who thinks there's a uh, Yeti or something running around. And then, uh, but if you (laughs) click on the Tubi link, it takes you to the sex comedy one. So Just Watch was a big old liar. So you can blame Just Watch for that. Which apparently Doug enjoyed, me and Noah not so much. It was a strong word. (laughs) To the effort. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.